Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. WBT Brett Jensen here with you on this Thursday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen, 704-570-1110. And as always, follow me on X slash Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And I will let you know, by some chance, they actually find the main killer today during the show. We will definitely update you. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep you abreast if that actually happens during the course of this next hour. But in studio with me for this next hour is Charlotte City Council member Tark Bakari. He's District 6, and he is one of two Republicans remaining on the Charlotte City Council. Ed Driggs is running unopposed, so he'll definitely be there. And Tark is going to be in a tough battle with Stephanie Hand. He won by roughly 350 votes or so last time, and she's running again against him. And first of all, Tark, first of all, thanks for joining and being in the studio with us for a full hour tonight, because uh, I know you were at the polls all day, and I know it's been a long day, and it's going to be a long two weeks going forward until November 7th. How has this race been different so far in terms of your preparation compared to last time when you ran against Stephanie last summer? Yeah, to- totally different. Um, la- last summer, if you'll recall, there's a couple interesting, unique dynamics. One we uh, were in the summer. Uh, the census delay pushed us, so we were, you know, about a little over half a year or more delayed. So this was during the summer when no one was expecting or paying attention to an election. And secondly, uh, I, I ran a slate. I was attempting to see if over a decade of just kind of Republicans being extinct in this town, could we recruit up a slate of Republicans to run across all the at-large seats for mayor, across as many of the districts as we could, spent a year on that. So I was really focused more on the slate and, and an at-large campaign to see if we could get some more Republicans on council. That did not happen. So uh, to, to your question, this cycle has been about um, running this campaign, my campaign, uh, and going hard and super hard. It's not to say we didn't go hard last time, but uh, she did not experience what it's like to run a campaign against me when I'm focusing on one singular thing. So it is, it is, it is challenging and painful, but it is invigorating, and we're pushing to the end. What are the biggest differences between you and Stephanie? Well, there's a lot. <laughs> there's an awful lot. Yeah, well, we got an hour. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Freeform, I love it. I mean, I guess I'd start with um, grasp of the information and knowledge base of what it takes to serve on council effectively. And it does, you don't have to be on council. If, if you're paying attention, if you're doing your homework and research, you can know these things. But I've just heard a lot in the debates uh, over the last couple months where it's just there's a profound lack of understanding of what it is. But I think the biggest difference is um, 
crime. I think our approach to crime is just totally different. I think she fits more of the mold of every one of the rest of my colleagues, which is we have somehow failed, systemically failed these criminals out there. And we're going to treat them like victims. And until the system is fixed, we will continue to just kind of turn a blind eye and crime's not that bad. And everyone I talk to feels the exact opposite of that. And ultimately, the difference is, you know, if I'm elected, there's going to still be kind of, you know, a very lone voice championing our police department and everything that's going on there, really calling out the crime issues and the solutions and and jockeying to get these things done. Or it's just going to be a singular one party rule voice like we have on the county commission now where nobody even brings it up. They all drink the same Kool-Aid. They market the same cherry pick stats and they say all is well, all is well. Specifically, District 6, what what are the challenges or what are the issues facing District 6? Because those are the only people that can vote for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll start where I just ended, crime. I think I was at a luncheon with a lot of good, uh, good, good folks today, and I said, say one word what your top issue is in Charlotte. They all immediately, I said, go. And they all said, crime. And one person said, like, public safety. <laughs> so <laughs> I, th- I think it all counts. Everyone I talk to, almost to a person, starts with crime, and I think there is – it is something everyone experiences ac- across this entire city. But I think people in District 6 experience it in a much more um, direct and volume-based manner. So number one is crime. That's what they're experiencing. Home break-ins, car thefts, organized crime for, uh, for, for burglary. Um, so that's, that's definitely number one. I think traffic – is definitely up there. The congestion that's there, um, the, our, our roads are in terrible shape. And even when the, the rest of my colleagues say, well, we're not going to focus on roads, we're going to focus on light rail and mass transit, even if it was possible, which it isn't, it doesn't touch District 6. Nothing's coming to District 6. And District 6 pays 25% of the property tax basis that fuels this entire city. And we get less than 2% back in the $800 million rolling capital plan that comes back out. In business, that's called cash cowing out a division so that you can run elsewhere. It works in business under the right circumstances. It does not work with the community. Traffic congestion in our roads is two. And then number three, conge- uh, panhandling and homelessness. Everyone in our community across the entire city experiences this. But it just seems super profound. Panhandlers own every one of our intersections. Folks are camped out with shopping carts and tents and all this stuff around and uh and and citizens are calling and pleading and saying i was driving my kid to school at 8 a.m on a tuesday and someone was defecating in the street right next to the burger king at fair fairview and sharon and no one can do anything about it and and no one's even attempting it is uh, brutal and that's that's what that's what most of district six folks would probably would probably say if i asked them their their top three items Every night when I drive home from here, I take, you know, 77 South and get off on Tyvola and take the left and go across the interstate going towards South Park Mall. And uh, but on that exit, it's the same boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife at the exit every single night, seven days a week. They're there. And it's always at the exact same time because earlier during the day, they're up at the Billy Graham exit on I-77, Woodlawn exit, and it's the same male, female every single night. And I would 
bet you everything I would bet Maggie's life that they will be there again tonight as I'm driving home. So let me so let me tell you. So let, let's do a little contrast here. Here's my position that I've had and I've been vocal with and I've been attacked for because, oh, Tark has no heart. Listen, empathy is a part of what I want to ultimately do here, but empathy is just a part of what needs to be a broader solution at play. I think we need to restore the ordinances that give the, the police teeth to be able to do something. I think we need to say immediately, panhandling is not going to be allowed in our city overnight. We're going to pick those folks up, but they don't have to go to the jail. They need to be dropped at the doorstep where they can get actual help. This is the empathy piece. If they need shelter, they need to go to a men's shelter, a roof above. If they need mental health, which many of them do, they need to go to a, a, a mental health facility. They may need workforce training and temporary housing. The point is we need to stack up everyone at the doorstep of where they need to help. And then my liberal colleagues will say it's a humanitarian crisis. We have to do something about it. And then we'll get them the actual sustainable help they need. But it has to be part of it. My, my, my opponent, on the other hand, is proposing that in a debate we had, she proposed that CMPD figure out who has the real need out there and should be allowed to panhandle. Or as she phrased it, hey, who's really legit out here in the streets? So she wants our police department that is already completely maxed out. Absolutely. Morale is at terrible levels right now. She wants to add to their plate. No, you don't have the ordinances and the teeth to do something about it. She wants them to say, Let's figure out who should be there and really needs to panhandle versus who's taking advantage of the system. It is wild, but let me tell you, that's what she truly believes. Well, you know, in CMPD, they're short about 500 officers. You know, they will tell you 300, but you're not allowed to include higher backs who only do, generally do traffic at the Carolina Panther games or church coming out of Sundays. And then the other thing is, is that they lowered their actual number, like the allotment. Hey, if we say we only need 1,800 officers instead of the normal 2,000, then that way we're only short 300 as opposed to really being short 500 when we need to be close to 2,000. And actually, it should be the allotment should be much higher because the city continues to grow every day. 113 people every day move to Charlotte, North Carolina, and yet your police force is getting smaller and the, and the city's getting bigger. And I don't know what the city council can do about that, but that is a major, major Look, issue. Look, it starts It starts with morale. Yeah. It starts with morale. And right now, this is another one of the narratives where, you know, folks are trying to say, well, all is fine. All is well. And I, I, I'm the kind of guy where I talk to the top brass. I talk to the FOP. But I also talk every day to rank-and-file officers. You know, folks that are in the squad cars at two and three years in. And every time I see them, I make a beeline for them. I thank them. Say, how you doing? I say, how are things? You know, and they say, oh, councilman, they're good. And I say, well, okay. <laughs> Listen, uh, no one will ever hear me say your name. Just tell me how, how you think things are. And they're like, that's ah, not so well. And you want to know why it's not so well? Because they're sitting on the tail end of a three-year period where they have been villainized. Our heroes have been made into villains nationally. After the riots, after the defund the police movements, after the kettling incident that was claimed and things like that in Charlotte. And they've all said, well, we've gone through tough times. We're just trying to protect stuff. And then they got thrown under the bus by their leaders here locally. So all that's the start. Then as we're looking in, you know, we, as we settle down that, that crisis and all that stuff, instead of turning in and saying, all right, guys, we've been through rough times. We, we weathered that storm. Let's focus on you guys right now. Our, our leaders, we, they just continue to say, well, all right, well, all is well. And, and they're asking for things like outside carrier vests, 
right now. And I went on, I go on ride lines. I went on a nine hour ride along and I had to wear an inside vest like the, like the, 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 the folks in the lower levels of the unit have to do. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's hot. It doesn't carry the weight of the stuff that's on your belt. And the point is we have to do better with these things because morale is important. doesn't mean they're going to get everything they ask for, but we certainly need to figure that stuff out. So all that goes back to starting with police officer morale. And I wish I wasn't a lone voice over these last six years for that, but that's the role I've had to play. It's one of the reasons I've decided to run again because I don't know who I'm going to hand the torch off to for that critically important job. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Charlotte City Council Member Tark Bakari, who's running for re-election in District 6. I'm Brett Jensen. He's Tark Bakari. You're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, just a quick heads up. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Charlotte City Councilman Tark McCarty is in studio with me. We will be taking your phone calls coming up in about 10 minutes from now, 704-570-1110. I want them. Or because we've only got two phone lines, because just because one eight hundred WBT eleven ten seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten one eight hundred WBT eleven ten. But I do want to give a quick update. Apparently, uh, the FBI has surrounded the suspect's home, and they're now yelling through bullhorns to come out with your hands up. Now, whether or not he's in there, I don't know, but. The FBI tend to think he is. so, But we'll keep you updated on that. All right, so Tark Bakari is running in District 6 against Stephanie Hand. And the Charlotte Observer did the most Charlotte Observer thing ever. I mean, they just did what they always do. And they endorsed Democrat Stephanie Hand, although they said they, they wanted to point out many, many times that they had endorsed you previously, but that basically you're just uh, too disruptive for the Charlotte City Council um, and, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what they said. What were your thoughts when you saw what they had to say? Yeah, you know, um, I, I think my the biggest problem I had with it was, and I was trying to pull it up so I could actually like, because the, the way they worded it really bothered me in one part. And they basically said that, um, that like, I, I'll paraphrase in my own words, like, you know, Sometimes he goes out there and it's too far. And they cited as the main reason they did give me the endorsement, the first mailer I dropped, right, it, which was on crime. So they're, 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 they're citing Tark is sometimes a, 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 a voice for good, but sometimes a voice for bad when he says bad, wrong things. And he just said wrong, inappropriate things with the mailer. Let me, let me paraphrase what the mailer was. The top of it said crime is out of control in Charlotte. It had three headlines on it, which were like the, sh- the shooting four houses down from my house on Sharon Road by the jogger at 2 p.m. Yep, on, it a, had on a Sunday afternoon. Sunday at 2 p.m., jogging, did nothing, got shot, 
by a repeat violent criminal offender with mental health issues on the streets. By the way, I heard that he's out of jail. He got out yeah. again, did something else, and then got put back in. I mean, it's just like, this is Groundhog Day. The second one was uh, the person held up at gunpoint in the South Park Mall parking lot. Yep. All these things were within two weeks of me sending that mailer out. So I was just putting those things there. And at the bottom, I listed the crime stats for Charlotte. 67 homicides, boom, all this stuff. And on the back, I basically said, no one's doing anything about it. And we're villainizing the heroes. We're treating the victims uh, as an afterthought. And it, it's just like, so that uh, we need to do something, right? So that was the whole piece. So th- they're citing that I'm, so their point to me that they said was, Tark, you know that you are, citing something and it's Republican scare tactics to get people to vote because you have a close election while you know crime is down. Well, this was my big, and we had a debate on this in the interview with The Observer where I went back and forth with Peter and I said, listen, man, like you're cherry picking certain stats. Homicides are down 12%. Like violent crime, this is down 8%. I said, uh, one, 67 homicides is not acceptable number. I don't care what percentage it's down. It's not acceptable. But more importantly, I can cherry pick stats too. Uh, property crimes uh, are, are, were 22,000 around this time last year, and they're 27,000 this year. Car thefts. Car thefts were, uh, uh, I think it was a, a two, two, uh, 22 or 300 last year at this time, 5,500 now, 130% increase. And my argument to them was, you can't cherry pick things, but even if you can, don't you think 27,000 property crimes impact more people and their psyche and how they view crime than 67 homicides? And you're telling me you're going to default to that narrative? So I, I and, and the, well, they then he parsed out and said, well, but you you said crime is out of control, but you were citing shootings and things like that. And I said, well, OK, that's kind of a fair point. Maybe I could have been better by putting property crimes are up in headlines on my mailer. But then I said to him, and this I think you'll find this hilarious, uh, I said, I pulled the headlines from the Observer. Like, I, if you had done headlines on the other things that I'm citing, I would have pulled those. You didn't. I had this on that. So, you know, you may call it clickbait, but I got it from you. <laughs> well, and I will say, Peter St. Ange and the rest of the Charlotte Observer editorial board, the only way, I mean, that... They were looking for anything. This is my own personal opinion, but I firmly believe this with all my heart and soul. They're looking for any reason not to endorse you. Just endorsing one Republican is enough for them. And I always tell this story. Uh, my first year covering politics at WBT, they endorsed every Democrat except Matthew Ridenauer, They except for Matthew Ridenauer. They endorsed him for county commissioners. When Matthew lost... The Charlotte Observer came out the next day and said, this is a bad thing because there's not a Republican on the county commissioners. Ten to one was okay, Tark. That was okay. Ten to one, but 11 is not okay. Yeah. And so the Charlotte Observer is, that's why I always say the only reason to ever look at the Charlotte Observer ever is if you want to look at Panthers' well, let, coverage. Let, let, me, let me jump, because uh, my good friend Ken May just shot me a copy of the paper yeah. here. Let me just read that paragraph, because I think it, it, I really want the words to, to make sense with the storyline you said. It says, Other times, though, Bakari can be more of an instigator than a dissenter, which is far less beneficial to our city. He can come across as rash or deliberately provocative, as shown in his campaign mailer, in which he implied... 
that's a very special word they use, violent crime, which I never said. I said crime is out of control. He implied violent crime by using their headlines is out of control in Charlotte, even though statistics show it has actually declined. Well, like I said, if, if you don't have Peter St. Ange voting for you, that's actually a win. I'm going to be fair. I, I have I, I, I in some ways like Peter. Uh, I, I don't think he and I are anywhere close to being ideologically aligned. Nor is anyone on that entire but, board. But I think the broader point that I'd say in this critique is the folks who did endorse me for the last three cycles and all that stuff before, which I am grateful for. I don't have a problem saying that. Uh, they're all gone. And you were they the fired them. They fired the, the cartoonists. Yeah, They've gotten well, rid of all the people that were there. And what's left is the end. Well, you were the token. You were the token Republican that they endorsed. Probably. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Going up until 8 o'clock, Charlotte City Council Member Tark Bakari is in studio with us as he is running for re-election in District 6 and looks to be the tightest of all the city council races. Uh, let me get into a couple of things real quick. Last week, you and Stephanie Hand, your opponent, were on um, doing an interview, and I've had no less than five people ask me if I heard the interview, one particular part, including... Another well-known reporter in Charlotte say, "Did you hear what happened?" I was like, "I was like, no, I, I don't. I'm sorry." It's the longest hour of my life. And um, so, but all I keep hearing is that. Correct me if I'm wrong. That you threatened to sue Stephanie Hand for uh, for slander slash libel, whatever. So tell me, tell me, yeah. tell me what happened. Well, at, the, the at, the, at the end of that, and, and they had very strategically decided to bring it up at the very end in closing when I couldn't remark and I wasn't going to let it. And she basically alluded, she was, she was trying to dance a fine line uh, to say, I'm not going to benefit personally from stuff like the councilman has on two occasions. I think she slipped up. She was supposed to only say I, and she slipped up and was frazzled and said that. And I said, uh, so I got to give a premise to this. Many people know in the news that I've been attacked mercilessly for four or five years. If you're just looking at headlines, you might say, well, is there something there? The bottom line is I could list four or five things that I was doing the 100% right thing for this community in its time of need. And then one of my colleagues that was evil in some ways came after me, attacked. Then it all played out. I had to defend myself with vigor. All the headlines are like councilman this and councilman that. And in every circumstance, it ended with, a clean slate. So, somebody saying, a city attorney saying, the investigation is done. An independent investigator saying, done, found nothing. And no one covered all of that. So I've been under these constant attacks while I'm trying to do the actual work. And they're attacking because they don't want my voice to be heard. They don't want the other side of the aisle's narrative to happen. So she was, I knew exactly what she was alluding to. And she was alluding to something that has a clean bill of health. And I said, in these exact words, if, you're, if you say something that you know is not true, that is the definition of slander. And I said, you need to be very careful because a senator in eastern North Carolina just had that happen to him in the last election cycle. He sued and he was successful. So if you say it and you know it's not true, 
That is slander. So that, that's exactly what I said, almost word for word. Now, I know the other side's like, oh, baby Tark is going to go sue. Is somebody hurt? His daddy's mad. His daddy's going to sue you. No, that is not what I said. And in fact, what I was doing was laying the groundwork for her because if they are going to drop that there, you know they're going to try to do some kind of hit piece or something like that. So I was laying the groundwork. I wasn't trying to say, oh, you keep saying I was trying to say, you know it's not true. If you haven't done your homework at this point in time and I see you send a mailer or keep saying things and keep going and escalating this, then that is certainly an outcome that's happened. Of course, I don't want to go sue somebody, but I have worked a lifetime to build my reputation and my capabilities that I've done. And I will not let somebody who's just the next person that's trying to de- take Republicans out of District 6 do that to me. I will not. The other thing that I want to talk to you about is the, the school bond. Most Republicans are against it. Have, like you got the black, uh, the African American Faith Alliance against it, but the Black Political Caucus for it because they made a backroom deal with the superintendent and the cabinet there at CMS. That that's a fact. But, or at least it's so I've been told by many people on the inside. So there's that deal that they've made with each other about certain things, and so that's all of a sudden Black Political Caucus came out and endorsed it. Why did you endorse a school bond when so many Republicans are against it? Yeah, I've never endorsed a bond in my life. I've never supported a bond in my life. And I have just about almost never voted for one. And the reason is I just have a firm belief, having been in this role, having worked around it, that no matter how apparent the need is, and the need is apparent for this bond, uh, the people that are crafting it, probably didn't do it in a way that I would have found acceptable if I was in the room doing it with them. So that's my whole premise. I don't have something, no bonds ever. I'm just like, if there was a great bond, I'd be for it. So that's been my thing. I've either stayed neutral or I've opposed it. I led the charge against the quarter cent sales tax uh, for the arts because that was terrible and we won, right? So I was faced with a a proposition here and there was really two factors. One was my district deeply in need of these things, got over $700 million of it. So it's, it's a substantial amount for my district. Is it prioritized properly? I don't think so. But that's a material thing that will benefit my district. And I think the second point is, and I, 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 I'm not going to get into the details of it, but for those, and Brett, we've known each other for a while, I would ask you to trust that there were things that I was able to accomplish that would benefit the city in much more greater man- manners by doing this endorsement. And I'm not putting yard signs up. I'm not asking for people to vote for it. I sent them a note that says, I will support it. And I sent them three paragraphs, which I haven't seen posted anywhere yet, which basically said, this is why I'm doing it. This is, I, I'm pleading, this is not a, a, a reason that you can go and immediately raise taxes. And in fact, if you're doing this right, which I know it's possible, you could reprioritize your entire, entire budget. So the bottom line though is, it was complicated. There was enough in there that I knew it was good for the district to have it, even though it may not be right. But sometimes you gotta you gotta do you gotta do things in order to have broader, great outcomes that are that will go on for decades to come in this city. That's what you, I think I did. But shouldn't you, if it's good for the city, shouldn't you say what the the goods are? Yeah, well, it kind of counter it, it would counter its ability to come to fruition until after the vote. Until ever. Oh, so you? I'll but, never tell. Really? Yeah. Interesting. It's, I mean, listen, if you know what it's like to, to govern in a super minority, 
you know that we don't have a lot of levers to pull. <laughs> and when you're constantly under attack on one side and you have a bit of leverage, you've got to figure out how to use it. So I've, I've already said more right now than I ever planned to say to anyone. And I would just ask the people that know me, know why, why I'm doing this, where my heart is, know that I weighed the pros and the cons of all of it, and I decided to do it. Do you trust CMS to, dis- to disperse that money accurately and properly? I mean, I have no idea. Listen, I, I mean, there, there's no, there I don't trust the re- city council well, to deploy right, money. I was gonna say, so, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there has, CMS has like, given you a lot of reasons yeah. to have faith in them. Yeah. All right. When we come back, let's get into a couple other things, take some phone calls as well. He's Tark Bakari. I'm Brett Jensen. You're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. A few more minutes here. We're going up until 8 o'clock. we got Charlotte City Council member Tark Bakari, District 6. Big election going on. and won by roughly 350 votes. I guess it was last July. Did you play Sorry. that intro music for me? Nope. Yeah. Just do it for me. But I'm see, I see that you're digging it over there. Dude, if it's all day. the 90s, man, I'm in. <laughs> That's good. I'm That's here good. to help. Um, okay, so... Real quick, before we get into a couple other things, I want to just touch base with you real quick on mm. something here. Um, in terms of uh, the four at-large members, mm. do you, especially now that Braxton can no longer be the mayor pro tem because he can't run, he's not running for a re-election, he's running for a state office, state labor, the uh, head of the labor um, committee in North Carolina and so in terms of the four at large how do you see that playing out if you had to put your prognosticators oh, head on well, let's yeah let's do some i haven't thought about this for this moment let me let me let me just brainstorm it so i believe the votes are going to probably have dimple out pretty far ahead as the top vote getter i think that smudgy will be fourth probably close to Luana leaving Victoria slightly above them, and there will be a big gap between them. That's, that would be my guess on the votes. Uh, and I think then the next question is who's going to be mayor pro tem? Well, that was going to be my <laughs> next question. I said, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk that it honestly could be Victoria. Yeah, I, honestly, man. I mean, so last time around, it was no one could have predicted that it was going to be Braxton. It was going to be Dimple. And then there was like, nah, people didn't want to do that. And then it was like, all right, is it going to be uh, – Victoria was kind of in the mix there. Malcolm was in the mix. I mean, damn near everybody was in the mix. And then Dark Horse came through. Bam! Braxton just came out of nowhere, out of nowhere. And I actually supported him for that because as I looked around, I was like, ah, I, think, I think that's probably the best bet. And lo and behold, I think in hindsight, he did a pretty good job uh, compared to what it could have been done, right? Yeah, you know, Braxton, I, you know, whatever you think of his politics, the one thing about Braxton is – he likes to he likes things to be open and he likes things to be held accountable, which sometimes may not have always happened. Yeah. Well, and he elevated his own approach 
when he was mayor pro tem. Before he was individual, he was he he mentally went to a different place where he was thinking his responsibility was more navigating the team. And I think that was the big difference maker in how he evolved as a leader through that time. All right, so we've got um, roughly five minutes to go. Mm. So let me ask you this, and let's try and keep this to about three minutes. Got it. Let's do it Cause in two. Because I, wa- I, well, I want to ask two, two more things. All right. So this is number one. Over the last six years, what are you most proud of of your accomplishments as Charlotte City Council member? Because I do know there have been times when businesses have come to Charlotte. Yeah. Vi Lyles, have, the mayor, has specifically named you and thanking you for helping when it comes to tech firms and stuff like that, which nobody else on that board understands anything about. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I so I could list a couple things potentially there. I think one would be uh, I, I have personally been responsible for leading the charge and originating almost 2,000 new tech jobs to this community. So that isn't like somebody else saying, oh, I was there or I voted. I went out and originated the transaction that then brought these folks to move here. And many of them moved here without any uh, city subsidy, which is uh, even better. So I'm I'm really proud of that, obviously. Um, I've had uh, in the workforce programs that I've been able to create in this community over uh, 200 people in need of upward mobility um, went from making you know ten or eleven thousand dollars a year to starting their new career at fifty five thousand dollars a year and beyond. It's eighty seven percent people of color, fifty six percent female, uh, and a hundred percent placement rate for those who graduated. Super proud of that. Um, you know my work in piecing deals together. We're almost at a point where Eastland Mall and the whole east side of Charlotte is going to be changed forever. Uh, and I went out and pieced that deal together. Uh, so, so super proud of the, things like that. But I think at the end of the day, it's got to be, um, it's got to be fighting and being the champion for our police department. Uh, I, I, you know, every single budget year for the last six years, I have led the charge and and navigated giving them record pay increases. They're still not where they should be, but they are leaps and bounds, but beyond where I found them six years ago. There, um, working and fighting to push for, um, you know, the tools they need, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, um, little things like the tattoos and the beards to right now fighting for the the outer carrier vests to jumping up and fighting against when one of my colleagues tried to uh, decline their purchase of ammunition so they couldn't buy ammunition. So, uh, you know, those things are incredibly important to me. Just being their champion you know, fighting for the ordinances and the things that are needed. And then just really beyond that in that same bucket is really, you know, fielding thousands of calls over the years from neighbors who, whether you, you, you had a, your trash didn't get picked up or you witnessed a crime, right? Being kind of a middle person in there to jump in and help navigate things more quickly. I think that's been my greatest honor. Uh, District 6, there's only two reasons to go vote. Charlotte City Council and CMS School Board at large. I mean, and then, you know, I mean, because everything else is a done deal. So in terms of that, why is it important for them to go out and vote on Election Day? Well, I mean, one, more people need to get engaged. Uh, Over 80 percent of this city does not pay attention at all to local politics. And that's why all these things that seem crazy to a lot of logical people. Well, how could this continue? It's because 80% of the logical people, if they're paying attention at all, they're paying attention to national global politics. So it's important for everyone to start paying attention because this stuff impacts your day-to-day far more than anything else. 
Uh, but for this election, I mean, at the end of the day, um, I hope I've made a case that I provide a very important voice, not just for our first responders and championing their needs or for a roads first plan when we're, we're, we're just losing an opportunity for transit or for homelessness and panhandling that isn't being addressed, but just balance. And I'll talk to, I know that WBT has, uh, you know, not everyone is a Republican that listens there. You have independents, you have Democrats. I'll speak to you guys. Uh, even if you don't love Republicans, do you feel that one party rule is healthy? Do you feel that lack of balance is something that's good for a city? I believe in diversity, and that has to include diversity of opinion and perspective. The county commission lost that years ago, and we don't have we – have, they're, they're arguing amongst one side of the aisle. It's a tough job to have to argue and create uh, the, the counter narratives when you're in the super minority, but it is important. I am willing to continue to do that and, and take that fight head on responsibly and professionally, but – if, if, if you don't get out and vote, it was a tight one last summer. We've got, we've, we have focused in a way we didn't this year. But it is not impossible to think that we are in the last days of Republicans being elected in Charlotte at all right now. And this is bigger than me or a seat. It's about the future of our city. Tark Bakari will be out at a lot of the polls, polling areas throughout early voting and then on Election Day as well there in District 6. So if you go out and vote, you'll probably run into them. I really appreciate you joining me tonight. Thanks, man. Vote early, everybody. 